0: The blushing Girl from blushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about 90s hits hit come The Nanny. I am Shanti Pasquale here with Toria Sheffield. Hello. And we're back for season two. We are uh, both season two of our podcast and to cover season two of The Nanny. Uh, we're starting here with episode season two, episode one, Fran Light. Directed by Lee shalott Chamel and written by Janice Hirsch. And I apologize if I mangled any of those names.
0: Toria, what's this episode about? This is the episode where Mr. Sheffield dates a woman with a striking resemblance to Fran. Yes. Um, and it first aired on September 12th, 1994. So indeed, about a full year after the premiere.
1: It is... Um it's Doppelganger episode, which is always fun to mm-hmm. do Doppelganger episodes. Um, of course, the best of the Doppelganger episodes was Seinfeld's um, Bizarro B- episode.
0: Bizarro world.
1: Yeah, Bizarro <laughs> Seinfeld episode. Still stands the test of time as one of the best uses of this uh, trope.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. Because it's not even really Doppelgangers. It's like, it is truly Bizarro world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is sort of similar. I mean, this is definitely Bizarro Fran, right?
0: Well, it isn't. No, I would say it's not Bizarro Fran. I think it's Fran. It's doppelganger. It's not Bizarro.
1: It's just like a Fran copy, but like a mm-hmm. lesser copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I looked up the actress too to see if it was anyone like <gasps> guest starry or cameo. You know, and she's she hasn't really done anything. So.
0: Uh, well, ironically, um, she the only really thing of note was an episode of Seinfeld.
1: Two she episodes was, of Seinfeld, oh, oddly yeah. enough.
0: <laughs> well, and the thing that, I mean, we can get into this later. And but, she played two different characters
1: on Seinfeld.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, um, she, while obviously had, like, the physical, like, she was dressed like Fran, her hair was like Fran, she really didn't feel like a Fran to me. Like, it, it really seemed like they had, like, just dressed up this very classy, elegant woman, and this woman was trying her best to do Fran Drescher and was really falling short. And that wasn't even like, I don't even think that was like intentional. I think it was just like, you know, a slightly miscast actress, but whatever, we can get into that. And then the Um, B
1: plot of the episode um, (laughs) was, well, so the B plot of the episode.
0: Hey Sean, the B plot was a D plot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, So until the last five minutes of the episode, I would say the B plot of this episode was emphatically about Brighton's dick (laughs) Um, Brian, it was 12 years old 12 year old boys uh, It was really, the whole episode was like About the size of this 12 year old boy's penis (laughs) It was very weird
0: Well, we'll also get to this But at first, I really didn't like it But they do a lot Like, as in they, um like sitcoms do a lot of like girls getting their period, girls, you know, self-conscious about not having their boobs developed or whatever. So when I really took a beat to think about it, I was like, no, no, this is almost just more like equal opportunity, like growing pains issues. But it was very jarring at first. I will say that. Yes. Yes. Um, but so this episode, um, it starts off by basically just like recentering us in where we are in this family's life um, and in the timeline and basically – it's, you know, the end of summer break, it's the first day of school. And that's actually, I think, like a very convenient thing from a narrative perspective that this um, show revolves around children, because you could always sort of just be like, well, summer break, and we're back. The kids are all, you know, like, I think, uh, Gracie's starting second grade, Brighton's starting junior high, and um, Maggie uh, somewhere in high school, but uh, nothing really new. But the the big thing is that Brighton's starting junior high. And then, we also established that Mr. Sheffield is number three on Esquire's most eligible bachelor's list. Like it has just been released. Um, and I, you know, I have this note where, you know, I don't think I fully realized what a big deal Mr. Sheffield is in like the world of the show, because that's a big deal to be on. You're really famous. To be I want to talk about
1: this. Yes. <laughs> it's a really big deal that he's on these number three on Esquire's most eligible bachelor's list to the point where I almost didn't buy it. And I, I, I didn't really take, I mean, to show you how much effort I put into the research <laughs> of this show, I took no time to see if like, are there just random Broadway producers on Esquire's list? Because I feel like, it's mostly like really famous like celebrities. I don't think that it's just like this guy. I don't think he would be gonna, on this
0: list. I'm making a note to do a fact check for next episode. Cause yeah, it's like they they even make the joke that um, you know, John F. Kennedy Jr. is no longer on the list. Like that's the level That's the level of this. So they're saying so they're
1: they're the implication in the show is that Mr. Sheffield is as well known, as famous as John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Um, but the okay. more, but while we're again like picking nits about this, the more important I think like takeaway from that conversation is, you know, Fran's like, oh, Mister Sheffield, like, look at you, you're on the list, and he he's very clear, he's like. I don't like being on that list. He's, and he's like, I'm not a bachelor. I'm a widower. Um, and Fran at first is like, well, what's the difference? And he was basically like, I mean, like a bachelor indicates some guy who like just doesn't want to settle down is going out and has like black satin sheets. He's like, I'm a family man. I didn't want to be single. Like, and I actually was like, you know, that's a very fair point.
1: Um, It's a great, it's a great point. And, and I wish the episode had dealt a little bit more with that because that was almost more interesting to me than, than what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They like very much touched, like they scratched the surface of this idea that like, if you are a widow or a widower, you're probably going to feel a degree of guilt dating again. Um, and they, they, you know, they mention it in passing once or twice, but it's it's no, by no means like, you know, a, a big part of this episode. You no, know, And if um, anything,
1: it felt like, because they don't really follow up on it, what it really felt like was that whole conversation was just the writers doing a reset for any new audience members that maybe found the show, and it's mm-hmm. like to establish like, oh, he's a widower, like because it was like an organic way to get the word widower in there and like really make it clear what the the dynamic is in this household. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. why I think I, that's why I think that whole plot line was in there is I really think it was just about like, well, how do we reestablish the setting of the show. Yeah, you know, without having a character come out and say, like, mommy yes. died. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then and then we got this nanny. Um, so, OK, so we established that. Um, I also noticed um, this is just a random thing, but there's. um pog references in this show, power rangers references and nintendo references because basically um the kids are going back to school and Niles and Fran are ecstatic because like they're the ones who have been dealing with the kids all summer and you know Niles is like no more pogs, no more power rangers, no more nintendo and i i noted the only reference that doesn't hold up is the pog one. I don't I think that's the only one the kids would be lost about right now. Hey man,
1: pogs are making a comeback.
0: Oh, are they? Nah, um, no, they're
1: not. They're not. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: It's Alf in Pog form. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, circling back, it's the first day of school, and we establish that Mister Sheffield's on Esquire's most eligible bachelors. And then it, um, we cut to later in the day, the kids come home. Um, Maggie and Gracie are really happy about their first day, but Brighton like runs in, and he's like, "I hate junior high. I'm never going back." And he runs upstairs and slams um, his bedroom door. And, you know, Niles and uh, – Mr. Sheffield's not around, but Niles and Fran are instantly like, oh, we better fix this because if he really doesn't go back to school, he's going to be homeschooled and then we're going to have to deal with him every day. So so Fran goes up upstairs, knocks on his door, and she's like, you know, hey, you know, Brighton, honey, do you want to talk about it? And he's like – Oh, was like, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. It's a guy thing. And she's like, oh, come on. Come on. I'm a nanny. I get everything. And he kind of like sits on the edge of his bed and he like looks at his feet and he's like, you know, well, in gym class, in the locker room, I looked around and I was the smallest. He's like, everyone was bigger than me. And at first, Fran's like, "Like, what do you mean bigger? And then she's like, oh. And again, it's instantly. And and she
1: infers this to mean that he's talking about everyone has a bigger dick than he does <laughs> yes. that because, be, i think because she says locker room she just immediately goes like oh locker room they're all naked he's looking around everyone has a bigger penis and he's like self conscious about his penis size but what he's actually talking about is just that everyone is taller
0: well, but to okay. Fran's credit, yeah. I, ha- I also they set this up so that we were right yeah. there with Fran. Like of we, we did they not did. know until much later what no. was really going on. But this leads, you know, you know, Fran goes and talks to Mr. Sheffield and like explains how Brighton is going through this like very embarrassing issue. And I had this note where it's really weird because when Fran goes into Mr. Sheffield's office to talk about this, Niles is like eagerly at her heels and you know at one point Mr. Sheffield said something like oh Niles like do you need to speak to me as well and Niles is like no I just needed to be here to see this and I'm like Niles why are you like reveling in Brighton's humiliation like it is, just, it is he's just such a it's such a nasty little, <laughs> little is it that thing. he's
1: reveling in Brighton's humiliation or is it that he's reveling in Fran's discomfort in having to talk to Mr. Sheffield about Brighton's junk.
0: Or potentially Mr. Sheffield's discomfort in having to deal with then, you know, learn this information and then figure out what to do.
1: And honestly, no matter which of those three options it is, it still is like... Niles, why are you being so shitty? Like, why? <laughs> like, like whether whether he's reveling in Brighton's misery, Fran's misery, or Mister Sheffield's misery. Either way, you're like, I don't know, Niles. Like, you don't seem like that kind of guy. Normally, these like the misery you love to like revel in is Cece's, like not your friends. Um, so yeah, it, very strange, but funny
0: joke. Um, yeah. And so, you know, Mr. Sheffield's like, all right, I guess I'll have to have, you know, it was just one of those like classic, he's like, I'll have to have a little talk with him. I mean, not a little talk. It, uh, <laughs> it's one of those so things. Stupid. Um, yeah. And it was a stupid father son moment where it's like, you know, he's like, right. And I think we, we should have a little talk. I mean, it might get bigger later. I mean, and like truly nothing's resolved in that little exchange, but then, um, cause, Oh, cause I should say, Mr. Sheffield has that talk with Brighton like later that day, early evening. Um at which point Fran and Val come down the stairs. It's like later that day and they are all ready to go out to some new happening club in Manhattan. And um Mr. Sheffield is now sitting on the couch like you know like fixing his watch or something and they look at him and they have this really funny conversation where like even though they're in earshot they definitely are acting like he can't hear them and you know Fran's like oh, it's just so sad seeing him sit there all alone, like a dog. And, and, you know, Val's, <laughs> and, and Val's like, oh yeah. You know, it's like, it's so pathetic. And then there's this really great little fiddler on the roof joke where Fran goes, he's handsome. He's young. All right. He's 42, but he's a real good catch. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and, oh, and it was interesting. I, this is going to come into play later, so we get confirmation that he's forty-two. So that means there's theoretically a twelve-year age difference between Fran and Mister Sheffield. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it doesn't
1: at that age. is not like whatever. It's not yeah. like it's not like she's so much younger, and you're like, oh my god, he's a monster. You know, and it's no. like yeah, she's if, twelve years younger than him. You know, if anything, whatever.
0: he's a little younger than I might ha- than I would have expected based on the fact that he has like a fifteen-year-old. Um, yeah, yeah. It means he got started young. And so Mr. Sheffield hears this and he literally stands up and he's like, you know, I can I can hear you guys. And and just so you know, like I'm very happy to stay at home. I, I don't mind this at all. And they're like, No, no, you should come. Like it'll be really fun. This is like a new exciting opening. And um, he's going to decline until Val says something like, Oh, yeah, come on, Fran. Like, what does he know about, you know, fun clubs? And then that kind of like, you know, awakens you know, something in him where he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, you know, back in the day, like I was at studio 54, I was doing blah, blah, blah. Like Maxwell Sheffield, like knows how to have a good time. And he almost, you know, now he feels like he wants to prove that he's not lame. So he's like, ladies, get in the limo. Um, and it's decided that he's going to join them on their evening out, um, which also leads to this funny moment where as he's heading out, Val whispers to Fran like, oh, great. Like now no men are going to approach us because we're going to be with this guy. And Fran's like, don't worry. Let me let me take care of it. And she's like, Mr. Sheffield, I'm so glad you're coming with us. But FYI, don't talk to us. Pretend you don't know us. And I may tell some people you're gay. <laughs> and then they head out the door.
1: Which leads to a funny bit in like the next scene when they get to the club and there's like a huge line to get in and they're, you know, Fran and Val are all bummed out about not being able to get in the club. And then of course, Mr. Sheffield's like a rich, famous person in Esquire. And so the bouncer's like, Oh, you know, you, you could come in. And, uh, and then he blocks the girls from entering and, and he turns back to Mr. Sheffield and he goes, do you know them? And Mr. Sheffield thinking he's doing exactly what he said, what they just told him to do goes like, yeah. I don't know them at all. I've never seen them in my life and I might be gay. And then he like winks at the girls and he yes. walks in the club.
0: <laughs> yes. He like gives them the thumbs up yeah. and then winks. And I have this note where I'm like, that's what I love about Mr. Sheffield where, you know, for a second you're like, Oh, is he going to do this sort of out of spite? Um, is he going to like, you know, try to no. teach them a lesson? No, he just completely like obliviously thinks he's doing them a favor. <laughs> yeah so yes. so he gets to go in and they're they stuck outside <laughs> yeah
1: they get they get stuck outside and then we have like a little bit of a time jump they're still stuck outside and then he comes strolling out with fake France this is when yes. We first
0: well, meet Fran. well, he basically comes out and he's like, "Oh, you, you're still out here," and they're like, "Yeah, we never got in." And he's like, "Well, I've been having an amazing time, and I, I actually met someone who I really want you to meet." And then he like escorts this woman over, and it's literally like she looks almost exactly like Fran, you know? they're and they're also dressed exactly alike, and they sound exactly alike. Yeah, her,
1: um, her. I mean, she definitely looks like a lesser copy like they they cast this person to look like a lesser in every way version her hair is not as big she's not quite as pretty like she, her makeup's not quite as as done on point like it, there's just like little things about her that you're like yeah she's like kind of friend <laughs> but not as yeah. good uh, which yeah. comes into play a little bit later when he's like when in that great conversation with Niles about the oven that.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which
1: is, which is uh, probably the best scene in the episode.
0: Yes, I love that. So, yeah, so basically, you know, that's sort of, like, midpoint of the episode where we realize, like, oh, Mr. Sheffield has finally returned to the social scene only to decide he's fallen for a woman who is suspiciously <laughs> exactly like Fran. So then we cut to, like, you know, a couple days later and – um Mr. Sheffield is going to take this woman out on a date and she's going to come by the house. And it's really funny because um, Niles is got, kind of gossiping with Fran in the living room. And, she, and he's like, oh, like, do tell me what this la- this woman is like. And Fran's like, she wears a lot of makeup, has huge hair and has some really flashy clothes overall, I'd say a very attractive package. (laughs) So like, I love that Fran, you know, Fran's not threatened or jealous at all. If anything, it's like, she's like, wow, this woman is fantastic. (laughs) Um, Because she, you know, obviously sees herself in this woman so much. Um, And so the doorbell rings and Niles opens it and this woman, Leslie walks in and Niles literally looks from one to the other. And he's like, Please, nobody move until I go get Miss Babcock. <laughs> yeah. and, then,
1: and, and,
0: then, and then Cece comes in, and I think
1: her first word is, Oh, they're multiplying.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. They've multiplied.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: And so, you know, Fran and Leslie sit down and they're just Gabbing, and they're just so much alike, and they're getting on, like, a house on fire. And meanwhile, Mr. Sheffield is in the kitchen, and he's doing something with Niles before he goes on this date. And this is when we get to this, like, really, um, really perfect exchange. And it's another beat where, like, this is, again, Niles at his best. Not when he's being creepy, pervert, Victoria's Secret catalog Niles, but when he's sort of, like, wise, all-knowing Niles. And
1: and not, like, he's... He's more enjoyable when CeCe's the butt of his jokes than when it's the family, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yes. But basically, so, you know, Mr. Sheffield's in the kitchen with Niles and he says something like, oh, Niles, can you put this champagne bottle in the limo before I leave? And he's like, oh, of course, sir. Of course. And then he turns to something on the stove and he like burns himself and he's like, oh, and Mr. Sheffield goes, oh, you should be careful. And and, and then Niles goes, ah, yes, you see, the thing is.
1: He goes, I should have used my oven mitt instead of the somewhat inferior substitution but I didn't yes. realize I wanted my oven mitt until I saw them together and then I understood that of course my oven mitt is exactly what I wanted and goodness gracious it was under my nose the entire time <laughs> like that's like I, that's the I wrote down the exact line that's that's the quote and it's such a good line and Mr. Sheffield doesn't quite get it
0: not at all not at all of anything he's like well glad you found it and walks out and um Yes, he doesn't understand the metaphor in any shape or form. But it was Niles being perfectly, like, emotionally in tune with what is happening. Like, Mr. Sheffield has found a Fran replacement because he is still so oblivious to the fact that he's actually in love with Fran. <laughs> um, And... Then, they, you know, they go off on their date and then we get a little resolution to this B plot, which is um we this is when we find out that, um you know, Fran goes to talk to Brighton about the gym class issue again. And it's revealed that or he, that he actually just meant he's physically smaller. He wasn't talking about his penis size at all. Um, And but there's two little things I loved about this scene, because the reason that we have it is. Fran realizes that he's been cutting gym class because she like goes through his bag and sees that none of his gym clothes are actually in use. So she comes like, you know, barreling through the house yelling like, you know, Brighton Sheffield, you've been cutting gym class and I am so mad at you. And then she sits down next to him and whispers, that was just in case the monitors are on. <laughs> she, like, actually, has like no intention of actually disciplining him. She just wants to like you know quietly figure out what's going on, and then you know she realizes she had totally misunderstood what he had meant, and and she has this little heartwarming talk where she's like, "Don't worry, like you're going to shoot up," and and then it ends with my other little favorite moment of this scene where she's like, "You know, you're going to be a senior one day, and you're going to be tall and big and." you know, you're going to walk and you're, you're going to walk by a puny little seventh grader and remember exactly how you felt when you give him a little shove. <laughs> 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 Which I loved, I loved. Um, but so, okay. So that's, you know, that's that little plot taken care of. And then, you know, Mr. Sheffield comes home from the date and there's actually this nice little, like, um sort of um syn- synchronicity with an episode last season when fran goes on a date and mr sheffield is up late in his pajamas like agitatedly waiting for her to come home now she's up late in a bathrobe kind of agit, you know waiting for him to come home and niles is is you know waiting with her and he also can tell like ah, uh, this is because there's more going on between those two than they care to admit but anyway mr sheffield comes home and you know she's like oh how'd the date go and he's like ah oh, he's like you know she was perfectly nice but there was something missing. He's like, like when you order champagne, but get ginger ale, like they, (laughs) they look the same, but they don't make you feel the same. Which is basically
1: the exact same thing that Niles had just said to him. It just, (laughs) it took him going out on a full date with this woman to realize that like, there's just something missing. And of course the thing that's missing is that she's not Fran. You know, she's not, she's not Fran.
0: Yes. And, um, It's kind of funny because then, you know, he's basically like, so, yeah, I'm not going to be going on another date with her. And Fran's like, oh, too bad. She said she was going to set me up with her rich boss. English. Like, he has a couple kids, but I could live with that. (laughs) So, you know, they're just both super oblivious. Um, And that's, you know, that's basically the 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 end. Yeah. Yeah, it's the episode. The season two premiere. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know it was it was cute it, it regrounds us in who who everybody is and, and where everybody is um but it, but was, not, it was totally not service- the
1: strongest episode like really not the strongest episode we've seen and frankly um you know for for a season starter i didn't feel like it came out of the gate swinging like yeah
0: it was it was totally serviceable um but yeah i i i'm glad that we have also watched the next episode because that one is so funny. But had we not seen that second one, I would have been a little worried about season two. Like I was like, oh, is the writing going to be as sharp? Are we going, are we on a little bit of a downside? And I just think, you know, again, this episode wasn't terrible, especially the second time I watched it, I actually enjoyed it even more. But yeah, it's not like, oh my God, that was, you know, 110%. Also,
1: I really, I sometimes I, I often go to the nanny wiki just to get, you know, information about directors and actors and stuff. And it's really funny to me how the the wiki bends over backwards not to say that this episode's B Plot is about Brighton's penis. They're just like, <laughs> Brighton has problems being smaller in the locker room, which creates big confusion until he explains he's actually shorter, not quote, smaller, end quote. And I really want to go in and edit the wiki to be like, not that his dick is
0: tiny. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah you should flag a complaint on the wiki page that something might be inaccurate <laughs> yeah this is inaccurate
1: <laughs> i'm confused um yeah not not the best episode uh it was serviceable the, the um you know the the mr sheffield date thing i think i liked a lot better than the than the subplot and the b plot uh-huh. um but even then it's like it just didn't we didn't get enough one liners. It didn't feel snappy as it as it as this as the next episode does.
0: Well, and we have to remember we ended on a season finale in season one that had so much heart. And this just, you know, it was light, but there was no real heart. Um and which whatever, you know, they have not every single episode can do that. Um but but I think, you know, we came out so strong, um, season one. So this was all right, but should we move on to our segments? And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I To say, we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> One of my favorite lines was near the beginning when um, Fran is telling Mr. Sheffield that he's, on, he's made the Esquire's most eligible bachelor's list. She goes... Oh, Mr. Sheffield, you're number three, right behind Prince Edward and former Mayor Koch. And it's just my opinion. But if those two ever met, you can move right up to number one. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> um, I, it was just and it was said like very earnestly it's not like a dig at them but it's just like you know i got a feeling um i also really liked you know we had one of those moments where she's on the phone with her mom and we don't actually hear what sylvia is saying but we can infer by what fran is saying into the phone and she's like surely Sh- betsy oh i don't know mom 200 220 she goes up and down <laughs> like, <laughs> just like the the like The fact that, like, this is so, also, this is so accurate to certain families, like, just speculating on how much, oh, somebody weighs. A a
1: relative has weighed, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think I liked, my favorite,
1: I had two favorite lines. One is Niles, Niles reports back to Fran on Mr. Sheffield talking to Brighton, and he says, Mr. Sheffield thinks their talk went rather well. And Fran says... Oh, please. Mr. Sheffield thinks Cece goes horseback riding for the exercise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. And then the other one was Cece says, um, she's like, oh, I, you know, something like, I I don't like that Maxwell's dating so soon. Like, you know, isn't, isn't a decade the standard period of mourning? And Niles goes, die and let's find out, which is yeah. just like butter, like knife through butter. I mean, it's, it's such a good Dark bird. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> he uh-huh. minces no words.
0: <laughs> yep, die and we'll find out.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, that was I think that's favorite lines. No, no Yiddish.
0: So yeah, there was no Yiddish. There was a a word that I couldn't even figure out. And I was wondering if it, like uh, Mr. Sheffield comes out and he's all ready for his date. And and Fran says something like, Ah, a sprock a sprock. Oh, so
1: yeah, no, what she says is <laughs> That's a reference to a SNL sketch uh, from the era called Sprockets. It was, I believe, a Dana Carvey bit. Sprockets was, um, the, he, the character was like this, uh, was he Ger- German? Um, but, but that's what that is. It's a reference to like this weird character. And it was really just based on how he looks, uh, the way he's dressed.
0: Okay, okay. I, I, because I Googled I, so many versions of what that word could mean and could not figure it out. So, okay. Yeah, that's what um, that was. So, and yes, so then there was no Yiddish, but I, um, I Googled the world, the, uh, what the word bachelor is in Yiddish. It's boker. Um, it means bachelor. However, Mike Myers,
1: by the way, Mike Myers.
0: Oh, Mike Myers. He was to a, okay. he
1: was, uh, just to clarify, Mike Myers played Shrockets, which was a, um, a uh, a fictional West German television talk show, and he was the host, um, and that's that's, and he wears like all black and like kind of a turtleneck, and so I think it's just that Mr. Sheffield sort of looks like him.
0: Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Oh no, so um, poker means it means bachelor, but it's, it's not like when you're talking about it in like the terms of a Yiddish context, it's not like, oh, a carefree single guy who doesn't marry. It literally specifically means like a young unmarried male student of the Talmud. <laughs> but that's like, the that is literally the closest concept that Yiddish has that I could find. Maybe someone knows, I don't know. I, I just, maybe someone knows if there really is sort of a, a simile for the like, uh, I'm just the guy that refuses to settle down, but I, maybe that just doesn't exist in traditional yeah. Jewish culture. A oh, putz. Maybe.
1: That would be a putz. <laughs> you know, um, like, he's a putz, don't marry him.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no um, intentional bachelor. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then for the, oh, Nanny Trivia, I almost blew past it. Um, so this was just something that was interesting um, from IMBD. Even though we just established in this, Season 2 episode that Mr. Sheffield is 42. They make him 41 in Season 3. Meaning they're basically aging him down like two years. And I almost wonder if that was intentional and not an oversight. Because maybe they wanted to make their eventual pairing, I don't know, make them closer in age or something. Because usually people know how old their characters are. The show
1: plays super fast and loose with ages. As we've seen with the kids. So I don't know that it I like I think it's just whatever is convenient, maybe for the episode because, like like uh, Maggie's age has fluctuated. Brighton's age has fluctuated. Like it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason to to the ages, except that they need to be a certain age for a certain episode, maybe.
0: Yeah. And it's like, well, here's the thing. This was all pre-Google and it used to be like, you know, writer's assistance jobs to basically log every detail of every episode and then basically be like encyclopedias about episodes that had come, like, come previously. So the idea of fact checking someone's age from... Well, I guess you could have watched the episode on VHS or something. I mean, it's not that hard, but you would have had to do a lot more legwork to fact-check minor things like. I this mean, I now. guess
1: you could also just like have a document in your writer's <laughs> room that just says how old your characters are. Like, this doesn't seem like something that was like, oh, well, at the time it was impossible because they didn't have like Wikipedia to check. It's like, no, you just pick, you fucking pick an age, and then that's the age, and then every season you update the ages. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's like, oh, well, some poor writers. Is Would have had to watch every episode. Like, I I think as a showrunner, you would just be like, "Hey, here on the on the whiteboard, we have a list of all the characters' ages. If you need to reference it,
0: (laughs) yeah, it is odd. It is odd. Maybe one day we'll get to ask Fran what the deal was. I'd love to. So then, in terms of the Fran or the CC, I I think I think you you might be the Fran and I might be the CC because, but this could also be sometimes a gender thing. I don't know. I feel like I would be. So threatened if some man I liked showed up with a girl who was exactly like me, I would be so, but maybe this speaks to the fact that Fran doesn't know she has feelings for Mr. Sheffield. Maybe I wouldn't if I truly didn't have feelings for somebody, but, but I would assume I would be threatened very easily and feel jealous.
1: I would be too. If like early on in our, in our courtship, Elizabeth had (laughs) been like, I might go out on a couple dates before we get serious. And then she like, I somehow for whatever reason i found out she went on some a date with someone who like looked exactly like me and Don was like also a writer
0: yeah on the writer yeah oh, i would be is, like uh,
1: that's weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i'm sad yeah. i don't think i'm sort of generous enough of spirit to just be like oh what i love her
1: yeah same. you know Not i, I would
0: instantly be like oh no i feel like i'm no longer unique in any way <laughs> uh, my ego would be threatened Agreed. All right, so we're both the CCs Yeah, we're we both. I, I think we, we can both.
1: both. The small egos.
0: Small egos. <laughs> the are big fragile insecurity. egos. <laughs> small ego, big insecurity.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we have Brighton's sized dick ego, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is for uh, Brighton. Very
1: strange because if you remember last season, there's a whole joke about Brighton having a big dick with <laughs> like his dad. So I don't know what's going on anymore with Brighton's penis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, and on that note, I think we did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if this is your first episode that you've ever listened to, uh, welcome and I'm sorry. I promise <laughs> we'll be better in the next episode.
0: <laughs> Don't make empty promises.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, this is basically what it is. I hope you enjoyed it. First of all, thanks to the people that have subscribed, become monthly subscribers of the show at anchor.fm. That's really, really nice. We 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 are flattered that people are giving us their money on a monthly basis to keep doing this show. That's super cool. Been getting a lot of fun reactions from people on our social media. If you haven't found us on social media yet, Toria, where can people find us on Instagram and Twitter?
0: They can find us at Oh, Mr. Chef pod. And it's two F's just like in Sheffield. So at, Oh, Mr. Chef pod, um, that's where you can find all the latest and greatest about the show. And we like to update it with fun stuff. And then you could find me personally at, um, just Toria Sheffy at Toria Sheffy on Instagram. And that's two F's just like Sheffield.
1: (laughs) And, um, and if you're a Facebook user we, we've got a little Facebook page for the show. You can just search Oh, Mr. Sheffield Podcast. It's the only thing. It, it'll pop. It's the first result. And yeah, like, subscribe, do all the things. Share the show with people that you think might like it.
0: And you can see Sean at Sean Writes.
1: No one wants to see me. Find me on Twitter at Sean Writes,
0: if you dare. Um, Thank you, everybody. <laughs>
1: it's foreboding. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: All right, yeah. Thank
1: you, everybody. Have a good week. And we'll see you in a week. The Flushing Girl from Flushing.
0: The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I meet Miss Vine.